0: I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We the Kids. We the Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We the Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome to We The Kids radio show for kids from eight to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian.
0: And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories Celebrating America's Constitution. And later on in the show, we're gonna hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players.
1: The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories, to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America.
0: And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening.
1: Today's forgotten story is How did your ancestors achieve success here in America? Lydia gave us the success story of several Americans that some of us don't know very much about and how they influenced our culture and our lives. So Lydia, if you would like to briefly review, then pick up with a few more stories for us.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to talk about bravery today because we live in a time where we must be brave to stand up for those time-tested, true American principles of success and happiness and productivity in this country, and especially principles that preserve liberty in this country. So we talked about work, and we didn't get a chance to talk about a quote by Benjamin Franklin, but he quoted, you know, back in the day, they used to copy things on their slates. Well, I know they had paper and quills, et cetera, but they also used slates because you could erase and then reuse them. But he said, a man of words and not of deeds is like a garden full of weeds. And I love that because... It's the deeds. It's what we do. It's what our our work. That's what really counts. Anyone can talk up a storm about who they are and what they do and whatever, but prove it. Talk is cheap. Prove it. So it's our works that really share and show others who we really are. And so, yeah, we talked about six different people. Actually, the latest, we talked about Dr. Susan LaFleche-Picotte. She worked and studied hard to become the first Native American woman to receive a medical degree in the United States. And then she later opened her own hospital on a reservation in Nebraska. We talked about Dr. Fang Shan Ho, who worked diligently as a student and became a Chinese consul general in Vienna, which is in Austria. And he lived during the time of Hitler and the Nazis And he risked his life and career to save over a 1,000 Jews, possibly 10,000 Jews, when Hitler's Nazis occupied Austria. We talked about Joseph Marion Hernandez, who worked hard to become America's first Hispanic United States congressman. And those were the four we, we highlighted last week.
1: And who do you have for us today, Lydia?
0: So those highlighted people from different nationalities that are here in America. But I'd like to talk about some that came to America even before these people did. Those were mostly in the 1800s and later. These are in the early 1800s. Before one of our earlier shows, we talked about Ellis Island in the New York Harbor, where the Statue of Liberty is, and that's where, if you were coming to America, you you entered New York Harbor. We didn't have planes back then, so you came by ship, and you went through the immigration process at Ellis Island, where they made sure that you were healthy, where you weren't bringing contagious diseases here, that you weren't a fugitive, you don't have a criminal record, and that you had a place. Often you had to have a sponsor who would take care of you and make sure you had your needs met before you went throughout America to seek your own life and get established. So these stories, they didn't have to go through Ellis Island. There was one, her name is Elizabeth Deegan. She was born in 1802 in Switzerland and at the turn of the century, remember, we had an American revolution here near the tail end of the 1700s. And in the early 1800s, France was involved in their revolution. And where she lived in Switzerland, it was really near the border of both Germany and France. And it was really embroiled in the conflicts of the French Revolution. And usually we think of Switzerland being a peaceful and a politically neutral country. They're not accustomed to the conflicts of war, but where she lived, the French had taken control of Switzerland just four years before she was born. And so with all this political change and confusion and conflict, her parents decided to leave for America. And so because of the civil unrest that was happening in Switzerland at the time where she lived, that's what motivated her family that had been rooted for six generations Uh, in Switzerland to search out a new life in America. So. I love that story because that's hard to leave your roots, six generations, and just totally leave it all behind and come to America. So I loved that story.
1: And Lydia, I remember you sharing with us a story about, I believe it's your grandmother.
0: Yeah, came from she Finland.
1: Came from yes. Finland and she left a lot of brothers and sisters and parents to come here yes. on her own.
0: She was one of sixteen kids. She remembers delivering some of her younger siblings. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine helping your mom deliver, you know, some of your, you know, little brothers and sisters into the world? That's what she did. That's what they did back then in the early eighteen. 18- well, she, she was in the 1900s. She was born in 1901.
1: But you're talking about bravery and courage. That is phenomenal, bravery and courage to be able to do that.
0: Yep. Yeah, because they didn't know what to expect in America. They just heard probably stories, and you have to start completely over. And aren't those the stories that inspire us the most? I mean, aren't those the ones on YouTube or TV specials or whatever? Those are the ones that rivet our attention the most are those stories where you're the underdog. Someone's the Mm -hmm. underdog, the least likely person to succeed. And yet then they become Bill Gates or (laughs) whatever. So, yeah.
1: And do you have another fascinating story for us? Because this story is amazing.
0: Yes, we've got James Timbrell Whirlton, and here's where I found these stories when I was doing the research for the Forgotten American Stories, America's Constitution. I went to my own community and went, hey, do any of you have grandparents or maybe parents or great-grandparents that came here through Ellis Island or came just – you know their history, you know your family's story. That's what got me excited because I I wanted to share these stories to get you as the listeners to get excited to what's your family story? How did your family come to America? Because they're fascinating. They tell of bravery like crazy to, to leave everything behind and possibly not even know English and start completely over and brave the seas. I mean, one of the stories is about that one. But first with James Timber Wilton. he was born in England, 1821. His father was a shoemaker. So that's what he learned. He learned to make shoes. When he was 19 years old, he was baptized into the Mormon church, and at the time there's a lot of religious intolerance there in England and the mormon church wasn't a hit in England with many people persecuted those that belonged to the mormon church he married a woman named elizabeth he became a bishop he kept watching his congregation leave england seeking religious freedom in america but here's the amazing thing in england at the time there was a law that said if you're a son and you have inherited land from your father, you can't sell it. You've got to keep it in the family. Well, all his family was leaving. He didn't have anyone in his family to sell it to or give it to. So now he's stuck with his land and he can't leave. So because they didn't think they could ever sell his estate and pursue their dreams to immigrate to America themselves. But later on, many years later, the city there in England agreed to purchase Timbrell's estate. So he promptly packed up his stuff and his family and he left England for America. And one of the things, oh, this just pulls on my heartstrings. He wrote, and I'm quoting him. He says, I joyfully left our native land and the home of my forefathers, bade farewell to my widowed mother, sisters, and friends to cast my lot with the people of God. And then evidently the departure was not so joyful for Elizabeth's family because her mother cried and called, quoting, Oh, Lily, my Lily, I'll never see you again. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Can you imagine? (laughs) I, you know, I live a mile away from my parents. I moved here to Utah and then they followed me here to Utah so they could be close to one of us, one of their kids. And my other brothers, one lives in New Mexico, one's in Missouri. My parents lived in Nevada, and I'm here in Utah. So they moved here to Utah. And it's nice to be close, to have family close. I can't imagine leaving my senior parents who are in their 80s behind to go to not just somewhere else in Utah, but maybe clear across to over there, you know, the East Coast, or leaving the country altogether. A lot of
1: sacrifice. Letty, where did this family settle when they came to America?
0: They came here to Utah, I believe Uh they came here to Utah. So there were a lot of people of the Mormon faith who were on the East Coast, who unfortunately, and this happens, a lot of prejudice back then, and made them leave their farms, would burn their farms, and persecuted them, kept making them flee further and further west, and at the time... The farthest west border of what was the United States was Missouri, and so those members of the church moved there and then got kicked out of Missouri and then went to Nauvoo, Illinois, and then they ultimately fled the United States altogether because nobody was protecting their rights of property and life and liberty and religious freedom. And they came here to Utah, which was so, it's high desert, folks. You have to irrigate or nothing grows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So not only coming to America was such an act of bravery and courage, but also now having to travel so far across America to settle in Utah.
0: Yeah, which is amazing because you can imagine anyone's disappointment. The members of the church receive persecution, but there are other religious denominations here in America that also receive persecution from others. Sadly, it tells on us as human beings that it's human nature to pick on others who are different than us, who believe differently than us. And a lot of it might be out of fear, But a lot of it is, I don't know, I guess we have that bully aspect ourselves. And that's something that We want to use our freedom here in this country to make sure everyone has the opportunity to believe what they want and, you know, religiously, politically, make their own choices, even if it's different than us. And that's our First Amendment. And sadly, a land that should be free and offer everyone religious freedom, we have a past where we haven't. Even with the Native Americans, think of it, you know, kicking them off of their land. Well... They have a right to their lands also. And living in what was then the United States of America, we should have honored their right to live where they live the best we could. But, you know, there's just conflict. It's like, yeah, but they've got land that we want. You know, we have selfishness in us as human beings. And sadly, some have used our freedom to take away the freedom of others. And that's what we don't want. We want to make sure we protect everyone's freedom of religion, everyone's right to life, everyone's right to be free, and not just people who are the same as us.
1: lady I remember as a young child having to have surgery, and I was so fearful of it. And the doctor sat me down, and he, he said, the reason you're fearful is because you don't have much knowledge about it. And he explained mm-hmm. it to me. And it just calmed me right down. And don't you believe that so much of the fear that we have seen and the abuse that we have seen of one people to another is because of fear of the unknown.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. When you don't know what's ahead, you have the choice to fear it. And then fear can actually breed resentment, anger, intolerance. It just kind of fosters all the other negative Mm -hmm. character attributes. Whereas if we look to the future, even if we can't see that far into the future and think positive and look at the positive positive. There are a lot of positives that we can find in people that think and believe differently than we do or look differently than we do. Ultimately, I love that one song, we all bleed the same color. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) we do. We're all human beings. Let's treat each other as human beings and give each other the respect and the love. Um, And that's what's cool about our country. We are founded upon the principle that all men are created equal and that we are all created by a creator, So that means no matter what we look like or what we choose to believe, we are all brothers and sisters. And hence, we should treat each other as such.
1: Share with our listeners the difference between a natural born citizen and what is a naturalized citizen.
0: Well, a natural born citizen is someone who's either born to parents who are already citizens of the United States of America. We call it citizenship by blood, or it's a person who's born within the legal borders of our nation. We call that citizenship by soil. So for instance, I was born here in America. I'm a citizen, a natural born citizen, because I was born on American soil. However, my grandfather on my mom's side became a naturalized citizen. He was from Finland. He was born in Finland, came to America and wanted to become an American citizen. So a naturalized citizen is someone who has to apply for and meet specific requirements for citizenship. So if you want to become a naturalized citizen of America, the United States of America, you have to satisfy residency requirements. You have to have lived here for a certain amount Of time. You have to have a valid immigrant visa. You have to demonstrate an understanding of the English language. And you've also got to pass the American citizenship test, which shows that you have a proficient knowledge of how our United States government works and also a basic knowledge of American history. And then, if you pass the test and the interview, you take the oath of citizenship. And that's something that we'll talk about in a future show. So, that's the difference between natural born citizen and a naturalized citizen.
1: And Lydia, I don't know if you know this or not, but even still today, you have to be a natural born citizen to become president of the United States.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So it's an interesting study of why our founders put that in in back in 1787, because they didn't want immigrants coming here and trying to overthrow or overtake our democratic republic. So my grandparents from Ireland, my mom's parents were naturalized citizens because they emigrated here from Ireland and became American citizens. So they did not have a fascinating, famous story, but they came to America. They settled in New York City. My mother was actually born on Broadway. And then when she was young, they moved to the Philadelphia area and raise their family, and raise their three kids, and continue to progress through life. So my mother's parents were naturalized citizens. My father's parents, because we came here in 1703, were natural-born citizens. So, the wow. difference. so let me give you a quote from John Adams. I'll give you part of it, and please respond to it. John Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, our second president— It should be your care, therefore, and mine to elevate the minds of our children and exalt their courage to accelerate and animate their industry and activity to excite in them an habitual contempt of meanness, abhorrence of injustice and inhumanity.
0: Well, I love the part about our focus especially as parents as grown-ups as teachers, anyone that has children that we need to elevate their minds and to exemplify courage or bravery, which is what these stories exemplify and to work you know, industry and activity, not just be couch potatoes or playing on phones or whatever. To have that balance, that work is really important. And to make sure that they're not mean, they have a contempt for meanness, Mm -hmm. that instead they lean towards kindness. And isn't that something that we need more of today? We need more kindness. We need more people that are brave to stand up for their rights We have government entities that actually take our property away. I've heard it with farmers where they're government entities that have taken away their cattle or have made it really hard to graze their cattle or take away their water rights or, or whatever. We need bravery to stand up for our Second Amendment rights. We need bravery to stand up for the religion that we choose to believe in or the political affiliation that we have. And if someone is different than us in any of those areas that we still exemplify kindness to them. Why not? It's it's our differences that make America beautiful.
1: And I remember Lydia, somebody saying to me one time, part of our bravery should be our humbleness Mm. and realizing that we all listening to this program live in a phenomenally great country that's given us tremendous privileges and we should be humble about that and grateful for that and demonstrate that towards other people who believe things differently, who so, live differently, who have different points of view, that, I agree. That, that humbleness that we should demonstrate. And that I believe that's actually part of bravery to be humble in understanding that because of I this agree. great nation that we live in. Love it. So, well, we invite everyone from eight to 108 to join us again for We the Kids radio show, to hear more forgotten American stories and learn the principles of freedom so that we can all preserve our freedom. And something to ponder this week, has there ever been a time when you had to have been brave and exemplify courage? There is a time now where all of us need to demonstrate that braveness, exemplary courage, and show that humbleness and gentleness towards each other.
0: I totally agree. Thank you, Arch. So, we also invite you to check out the We the Kids website. It's wethekids.us. There are additional stories and insights and activities there that you can do with your kids to help foster within them their pride in being an American and loving and defending America's Constitution. You can send your own family story to WTK at wethekids.us about how you or your relative came to America and we'll post it on the we the kids website and don't forget you can purchase forgotten american stories celebrating america's constitution on wethekids.us or on ForgottenAmericanStories.org. thank you so much for supporting we the kids and now let's see what the we the kids liberty players are up to
2: hi i'm daniel and i'm christelle today we're reading a story from lydia's book forgotten american stories about a family of german immigrants who came to america Let's go to America. These were the words spoken by John H.C. Heisterberg to his wife, Mary, in the year 1847. The place was Hanover, Germany, a little village where they tilled a few acres of ground near their home. It was a meager living. The work was hard with no future, but compulsory military training was what they objected to the most. Their young son, Henry, was 17 years of age and would soon be called into service. They were tired of the needless wars from which they had never benefited. How could they give up their son who might be killed or maimed for life?
3: Friends and relatives had reached America safely, even though it was a long, dangerous journey by shell ship. America is the land of the free and home of the brave, John quoted. We will go, we will survive and succeed. Preparations were made. They agreed to take only the bare necessities. Father John built a large wooden trunk, upon which he carved his name Heisterberg, 1847. Mary packed their clothing. Her best dresses she left to her friends and relatives. Dishes and utensils they could purchase in America. She couldn't pack her spinning wheel, so she carried it with her. When goodbyes were said and the family boarded the ship, there was a special sadness in her heart as they watched the shoreline fade away. Their home had provided many pleasures as well as sad memories. Then they turned their faces and thoughts toward America. Daniel, what else happened to the Heisterberg family?
2: Well, the voyage across the Atlantic by sail ship was long, uncomfortable, and lasted a full six weeks. High waves almost covered the ship at times, and some of the storms were so severe they half expected to be thrown into the ocean. Often, they made no progress, as the wind would turn them and blow them back towards Germany. Many became sick and some died. At last, they saw the beautiful green shores of America. They could almost smell the earth long before they reached the shore. When their feet finally touched the ground, they swayed like drunken men after being so accustomed to the rough seas. There was much laughter and jesting as they steadied each other. The Heisterberg family had made it to America. They'd survived the journey and would now have the opportunity to succeed in this new land of the free and home of the braid.
3: So, Daniel. What would you pack in a wooden trunk if you were coming to America?
2: I guess I'd pack my writing supplies. I'd probably pack my cat. (laughs) What about the cat's food though? Oh, I'd just carry it. I
3: would also pack some clothing, two outfits for summer and two outfits for winter. And I would probably wear my coat on the journey
2: there. I didn't even think about clothes. I probably won't have room for underwear. That's a good thought, Dan. Can we fit a flat screen TV in that box?
3: I think yeah. I'd bring a dictionary so I can learn the English language while I'm on the ship. How about blankets?
2: Probably bring my Bible. I would definitely buy a copy of the Constitution so I could study up on it. It's interesting to think what people would do just to come to America and experience liberty. What they would leave behind. I wonder what you would take in your suitcase. It's amazing to think about what people endured to come to America.
3: For more stories like this, you can purchase Forgotten American Stories at WeTheKids.us.
2: Thanks for listening to We The Kids Liberty Players. See you next time. <laughs>
1: We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We the Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or 108, preserve our freedom.